My name is John. I'm, I'm one of the elders. I'm not a pastor by trade. I'm a pharmacist. And I was thinking about it. You guys saw the doctor last week. You've seen the pharmacist this week. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> I've seen this pattern before, and it's usually not good. You look okay, but I hope you are. Well, let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, we love you. We thank you for your amazing grace and mercy and for all the good work you're doing in our fellowship. And as we open your word today, help us to listen and respond to the promptings of your spirit. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So I learned at a very young age that the Sunday message is open to criticism. And I learned that even Catholic priests aren't immune to being criticized. When I was young, we went to the Catholic church, and I was an altar boy, 10 or 11 years old. And an altar boy just is there to help the priest with the proceedings of the service and help things go along. And in a Catholic service, the, the priest gives a message. They call it a homily, but he gives a message. So one Sunday, my friend and I teamed up to be altar boys. And we sat through the service, and it's all very formal, wearing robes and everything. And we get to the back room, and, and we're getting ready to go home. And the priest surprised my friend. And he said, he asked him a question. He said, Mr. Thomas, what was my message about today? And what did you get out of it? And my friend was uh, like, um, um, and he's really reaching. Uh, I've, I've got nothing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, Father. And the priest says to him, Mr. Thomas, shouldn't that tell you something? And my friend says, Father, shouldn't that tell you something? And I'm like, I, I, gotta, I gotta go, I, got, I'm, I, I gotta go, I got things to do, because I had nothing either. <clears throat> so I have grace on your friend up here today, okay? So let's get started. Let me ask you a question. What are the conditions in our lives when we are most open to God's promptings? We are most open to hear his word, to be taught, to be changed, to be transformed. When things are going well or during our struggles, during our victories, or during our challenges. If you're like me, and most people I talk to, it's during our challenges. And why is that? Well, the word bears it out repeatedly. Psalm 51, David says, the sacrifices of God are broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. We're humbled, we're broken, we're defeated. And countless sermons have been covered on how to handle this, how to overcome with the Lord our challenges in life. Countless books have been written on it. But today, that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the flip side today. We're going to ask the question, how do we handle it when we have a victory? How do we handle it and respond when you have an accomplishment? When one of your God-given gifts actually works well in life? How does it work and how do we respond when God's favor actually shines upon us? You know, years ago, a pastor gave me really good advice. He said, the testing of your faith may come through success. The testing of your faith may come through success. So why is that? When things are going our way, God's grace is shining upon us, we're having victory, things are going well for us, what can possibly go wrong? Well, we could get a little boastful, a little full of ourselves, a little overconfident, a little self-reliant, right? We have some success and it's so easily to say, look what I did, look what I accomplished, and look at me and we can slip into full-on pride. So we need reminders. We need reminders to keep us humble. Parents, if you have kids, 
Maybe you know what I'm talking about. What happens when one of your children starts having some victories and starts winning at things or things are working out for them? Can, can they get a little full of themselves? Do we need to temper them a little bit? I'm so grateful for my parents. This happened when I was eight years old and I was playing in a baseball game over at Riverside Park and my team was behind. In the last inning, I hit the ball and we won the game and I was feeling pretty full of myself. And I get in the car with my mom and dad. They were in the front seat, I'm in the back seat. And I was a fifth of five kids, so they'd seen this act before. <laughs> and before we even left the parking lot, I said, I won the game. I won the game. And as we're driving out, they pulled over and stopped the car, and they both turned around and looked at me and said, you did not win the game. Your team won the game. Without your team, you are nothing. You did not win the game. Do you understand? And I was like, wow. And I'm in the backseat. Our car is parked. They stop the car, and people are driving by, looking by, it's like, wow, that kid's in trouble. What's going on? What's going on in that car? And I never forgot that. I'm so grateful for them. So like my parents said to me, you didn't win the game. Does God have places in his word where he says, you didn't win the game? There are. There are many distinct and robust warnings about where to put our hope and trust and not think too highly of ourselves. So let's take a look at one of those scriptures today. Whoop, you good? There we go. Okay. I don't have an iPad. I'm old school. I think I was looking for an iPad. This is my iPad. Okay, let's read this. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. So turn with me to Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. I love this verse. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness." in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease from yielding fruit. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love that verse? It's so direct. This is one of those verses where commentators actually agree. I love when God just says, here are my options. Live with me, live without me. It's your choice. Any questions? <laughs> and this is one of those. It's so clear and so robust. And God's saying, I hope you don't have any questions because I made this very clear for you. So let's look at, let's walk through this a little bit and see what we can pull out of it. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Cursed is the man. Now, this is interesting because there's different kinds of curses in the Bible. There's times where God curses a nation, right? This isn't one of those. This cursed, commentators say, isn't like God cursing a nation. This curse is a self-inflicted curse. This is one that's like digging your own grave. God is like telling you, if you keep on this path, it's not going to end well. You will become a curse to you and others. It's a predictor. So there's a cause and effect here. We choose. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. So this is the counsel of the world, right? I mean, the world I grew up in told me to work hard, become self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-made, and above all, self-governing. We can believe our own strengths and talents and abilities are self-generated, and we use them to promote ourselves. This is what Paul Tripp calls building the kingdom of me, 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 me. 
And it can be especially intoxicating when we start having success in an area. Maybe we're using one of God's strengths he's giving us, and we're looking upon ourselves as being the source of that and not God. And what happens, or what can happen, is in one form or another, we push God aside. I've been there, I don't know if you have. Whose heart departs from the Lord. So this is like a flow chart here. We think we're something, we think we're self-sufficient, self-governing, and God who? Especially when we start having some success, especially when things are working out. We rely on self, we trust in ourselves. we promote ourselves, and glorify it in ourselves. We do that, and our heart will depart from the Lord. Self-promotion is God-demotion. Self-promotion is God-demotion. The word says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be too. If our treasure is in ourselves, in our own focus, that's where our heart's going to be, right? This was my idea. It was my hard work. It was me that made it happen, and it was my success. God who? This is the result. This is so descriptive. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. This is one of the great object lessons in scripture. God is saying, you may think you're really something. You may think you're accomplishing something, but I'm telling you, if it's about you and not about me, you will become a shrub in the desert. Now, what does a shrub in the desert look like? Look at that thing. Is this what you want your life represented by? Is this how you want to project yourself to, to, to God and others? What are some of the characteristics of the shrub? Think about it. Look at that shrub. It's dry. It's barren. It's alone. It's not life-giving. It can break loose and roll around in the wind. It's prickly to the touch. It's not easy to be around. Can you, like me, relate to being like this at some point in your life? Maybe you came here today and you're being a shrub in the desert. I can do this quite often. I can do this multiple times a day where I can be a shrub in the desert. God is clearly saying that in good times or in bad, if we put our hope and trust in ourselves and not in him, it's not going to end well. It will be a dead-end road, and we will dry up and be this shrub in the desert. Are there biblical examples of this? Can you think of people in the Bible who maybe had many blessings in their life, turned it to themselves, and then became a shrub in the desert? Or maybe didn't answer the call. Solomon, absolutely. Solomon had the table set for him, didn't he? His dad had him set up. God blessed him with incredible wisdom and discernment. He had amazing riches. He turned from the Lord, didn't follow the Lord. He became a shrub in the desert. Not only he became a shrub in the desert, but his family became a shrub in the desert. And ultimately, the nation of Israel became a shrub in the desert. There are consequences. It's not just about us. How about Samson? All the gifts Samson had, he used them for himself. Shrub in the desert. How about the rich young ruler? How about Jonah from last week? Dr. Mike talked about Jonah. Jonah kind of had two bouts of being a shrub in the desert. The first time he turned from God, went away, became a shrub in the desert. God sent him back. He repented, became a blessing to God, then became a shrub in the desert again. I think we can relate to Jonah. What about Gideon? You know, you might think Gideon. Was Gideon a shrub in the desert? So Gideon um, was going against an army of 135,000 Midianites. 135,000. The nation of Israel had 32,000 to fight against them. And God said this. God said, I I'm, I'm going to give you the victory. I think you have too much. I think you have too many people. We're going to take that 32,000 take it down to 10,000. Now it's 10,000 against 135,000. What do you think about that? Actually, that's too many. 
I'm going to take it from 10,000 down to how many? 300. And the scripture is very clear. God says, I'm taking it down to 300, lest you say it was my hand that delivered me. Lest you say, Gideon, that it was my hand that delivered me. Like Gideon delivered it. God gave Gideon warning ahead of time. He said, lest you think you are doing it, God is saying, I want it to be very clear, I'm the one doing this. So you know what happens. The, the nation of Israel won. The 300 defeated. God orchestrated all that. And all was well. Well, not quite. A little bit later, Gideon asked for all the gold from the plunder. And he makes a golden ephod, which is like a garment, out of the gold. And they hang it up. And he'd already forgotten. Look what God did. Now he was saying, look, now the nation of Israel is saying, look what we did. And the scriptures say that ephod became a snare to Gideon, his house, and the whole nation. They became a shrub in the desert. Even after all that miraculous delivery. So the point is, if it can happen to these biblical people, it can certainly happen to us. Amen? The thing about it is prickly shrubs tend to hurt those the most that are the closest. Let's pray we don't go there, at least not for long. Let's pray that God would show us that we would recognize it, that he would reveal it to us, that we would repent and turn to him quickly. We don't want to end up like this, right? So how do we recognize if we're being a coming shrub in the desert? How do we know? Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting us. Maybe somebody else is telling you. Maybe it was on the way to church today. <laughs> Happened to me. Happens to me. And, but how do we know? How do we recognize? So usually the big, the, the big picture is easily recognized. But sometimes it's the small things, the small thoughts and the small actions and the small things we say that can indicate that maybe we're becoming a shrub in the desert. This last summer, we were on our road trip. We went on a couple road trips. And on the road trip, we would stop at these quirky gift stores. You know what I'm talking about, these quirky gift shops. And it turns out you can learn a lot about people in quirky gift shops, especially what they buy. And something people buy a lot of are these little mugs and kitchen towels with catchy phrases on them. You've seen these? I mean, these things spread the whole gamut of humanity <laughs> from here to here. And I was looking at some of these uh, sayings this last summer, and I, I thought, wow, that's a, shrub, that, that, that's a shrub in the desert right there, you know, or not. There's some nice ones, and there's some, some that aren't so nice. And so what I wanted to do today, do today is have you walk through with me and decide, I've gathered some of these sayings together and decide, shrub in the desert, yes or no? So let's start. Shrub in the desert? Ah, oh, it's pretty nice. No, I don't think so. Choose joy? Pretty nice. How about this one? Real's best mom? Nah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. How about this one? I neither have the time nor the crayons to explain this to you. That might be a symptom right there. That might be a start of a shrub. How about this one? I have my patience tested. I'm negative. There's some shrubbery there. How about this one? I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. I think I've heard Pastor Ben say that in one form or another over the years. I was hoping for a battle of wits, but you appear to be unarmed. <laughs> that might be a shrub in the desert in the making right there. And this last one is my personal favorite because it was exchanged at a birthday party at my house within my family and just a couple weeks ago. I'm not insulting you, I'm describing you. Now, nothing says more shrub in the desert than I'm not insulting you, I'm describing you. 
Okay, moving right along. Let's get to the good part. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Doesn't that sound better? It sounds a lot better than a shrub in the desert. So when in good times or in bad times, when we put our hope and trust in the Lord, what are the benefits? A tree by the water. Now, we talked about the characteristics of the shrub. What about the characteristics of this tree? Think about it. It's vibrant. It's alive. It's life-giving. It may have some fruit. It's not going to fear about getting water or when the heat comes. It's a gathering place. There's shade under this tree. It's hospitable. Is that shrub hospitable? Is that shrub a gathering place? This is the place we want to be. And a place not only we want to be, but a place where others want to be. Like Psalm 1 says, the benefits of trusting the Lord is that we are planted by the waters. We are near God and we never thirst. He will sustain us. We don't need to fear when the heat comes or the trials of life. And God says over and over in his word, do not fear. When we truly trust in the Lord, we're not governed by fear. Amen? We'll not be anxious in the year of drought. Now, this indicates that we will have a year of drought. There will be troubles in life. John 16 says that. In this world, you will have trouble. Count on it. Be ready for it. We will have challenges in life. There will be times of anxiety that come our way. But that doesn't mean we need to be shackled with anxiousness. Because God says, don't be anxious in anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, present your request to me. Cast your anxieties upon me. He will take our anxieties if we're dwelling near to him. And if we're not trusting in ourselves, in our own flesh. And our leaf will be green and never cease from yielding fruit. Our leaf will be green and never cease from yielding fruit. Isn't it a great testimony when a believer is going through a trial and their leaf is still green? I got to tell you, I almost started crying when I saw Jamie Lund up here. Because Jamie's had a tough week. He has a heavy heart. And he's here today serving. His leaf is green. So thanks for being a testimony to all of us, Jamie. Seriously. It's a great testimony. I told you I'm a pharmacist. <clears throat> I've seen people at the end of their, towards the end of their life over and over and over again. And it's incredible to me when people know that they only have a little bit left, a little bit of time left. And I'll never forget this lady. Her name was Ethel Fast. Some of you know Ethel. And she just had about a, under a month left, I'd say. And she came into the drugstore, and I was having a bad day. I had had just... One, nothing was going right, and um, I was, I was uh, just having a tough day. And here Ethel Fast comes in, and she can barely walk in. She's limping, and she's sort of being helped. And she gets to the back counter, and I go up and say, and I say, hi, Ethel. And she goes, hi, John, how are you? And how is your family? How is God blessing you today? And I was speechless. I was being a shrub in the desert. And here this tree of life came in and blessed me. And just a couple weeks later, she passed. But I was like, God, help me be like Ethel Fast. Help me be like that. And help me not to be a shrub in the desert, especially along the way. So we never thirst. We never have to fear in trials. We can give our anxious thoughts to him. And we never stop yielding fruit. Who is up for that? Just as a visual reminder, shrub in the desert, trust in ourself, shrub in the desert. Trust in God, tree of life. If you remember nothing else today, remember these pictures. Because there might come a time in your coming days where you, you become this 
And you remember this picture. Believe me, I, I, I go to this picture and this example, like I said, sometimes multiple times a day. I have to remember I need to trust in the Lord in this situation. The busyness of life can wear us down. Let's be a tree of life. It seems so simple. Where to put our hope and our trust in the flow and busyness of life, like I said, we can become very distracted. So who can we trust? Who can we trust to remind us to stay as a tree of life? Who can we trust for counsel? Can we trust others and their opinion? That might help. A multitude of counselors, there is safety. This is the right people. But we still don't put our hope and trust in them. That's what the scripture says. Do not put your hope and trust in man. Can we trust ourselves? Can we trust our own hearts? The very next verse after this, what does it say? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can trust it? Now remember, our maker said that, that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. We can talk ourselves into all kinds of things and believe them, right? So where do we go for truth? Where do we go for truth to keep us humble and depending on God? To not think too highly of ourselves. Well, it comes through spirit and in truth. It comes through the spirit of God convicting us through God's word. We think too highly of ourselves? There's Romans 12.3. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather in sober judgment. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather in sober judgment. That's Romans 12.3. If we think we're self-made, 1 Corinthians 4, look at this. God is saying, who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you didn't receive? Now, if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, God's saying you, I gave you these gifts. I make you differ from another. I gave them to you. Why do you boast? You're like the, the kid that got this big inheritance that says, look at all this money I made. Remember where our gifts come from. Who makes you differ from another? Who gives you the gifts? Does it come from you or come from God? It's a great verse. What if we start glorifying in ourselves too much? Look at me. Look what I am. Jeremiah 9. This verse we even made as a family verse because this has uh, just such a powerful message to it. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Right there. So when we say, I am wise, Lord, look at me, I am wise, shrub in the desert. If we say, I am mighty, shrub in the desert. If we say, we are rich, shrub in the desert. If we say anything, if we glory in anything, That is of us. And we say, look at me. It's a dead end road. It's going to be a shrub on the desert. So that's Jeremiah 9. Now, some of you know my testimony on this. There was a a time in my life where God really, God continually teaches me. But one time he gave me a very profound lesson. I was in my young 30s and things were kind of going my way. I had set some goals and life was turning out and some things were, were happening and In the eyes of the world, you would think that I would be very happy and content, but I wasn't. Good things were happening, things were starting, things were turning out. I should be happy and content, but I wasn't, and I could not figure it out. I'm like, why am I not getting it? Why am I not just overjoyed at what's happening here? And for this went on for quite a while. I just couldn't figure it out. All the things the world had taught me were 
I should be very happy with, but I wasn't. I was very unsettled. And one day I was out on our deck and I was watering the plants. And we have this planter that sort of has a, a big section low, a little smaller one, a little smaller, and a little smaller at the top. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of a pyramid shape. And I started watering it. I watered the bottom, the big one. Then I watered the next one up. Then I watered the next one. And then I watered the top one. And I noticed when I watered the top one that it flowed out onto all the other plants. And I thought, why in the world didn't I start at the top? Why did I start at the bottom? That wasn't very smart. And God was like, that's it. I was like, what's it? He goes, that's it. Right there. That is your life. These are the priorities in your life. The top plant is me. The second plant is your wife. The third plant is your kids. And the fourth plant is your work outside the home and your activities. You're spending all of your time watering the bottom plant. You're spending way too much time on things for yourself. Even if you're watering your kids, the relationship with your wife and Mia is going to die. Even if you take hope and trust in your spouse, your relationship with Mia is, is going to die. Only when you surrender and only when you give me the glory and you water that top plant is everything going to flow out and make sense. And you have joy. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that as soon as I start having misplaced priorities and thinking too much of myself, my relationship with the Lord is becoming a shrub in the desert. And I'm becoming a shrub in the desert. Is there an area in your life that's a shrub in the desert? Maybe your whole life isn't represented by it. Maybe it's just a portion of it. Ask God. God, show me. Show me where I'm focusing on myself too much. Ask me, Father, where, or examine me, Father, and I ask you, where is my focus on me and not you? Consider asking the Lord those questions. Consider, the, consider repenting. Consider maybe going a while without food. Consider taking these verses and saturating your heart and mind with the word of God. Nothing is going to humble us and keep us grounded with God more than his word. And by the way, how do you honor an author? You read his work. Repenting, turning from our selfish ways, giving it up to the Lord, quit striving for ourselves, quit trying to tough it out on ourselves, or quit taking glory in ourselves and putting the trust and hope completely in God's hands. It's counterintuitive to the world, but not with the Holy Spirit. Remember the lessons from Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, and ask God, where am I saying me first? And God, get me to the place where I say you first. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your love for us, your loving kindness, your incredible patience, especially when we don't deserve it. Lord, we know we can trust you. You are the one who has saved us. You are the one who has redeemed us. You are the one who makes us right. You are the one who sent your son to die for us. With all that, Father, we know we can trust you. Help us, Father, remember when we are turning from that trust and trusting ourselves. We thank you, Father, for your clear directives in your word to keep us looking for you. For you are our hope and our trust. And continually remind us, Father, not to say, blessed be my name, but rather, blessed be your name. Amen.